What's up, guys? Episode 42 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, you know the drill. Matt, first episode of October, and it is finally starting to feel like fall. That it is. It was about like 40-some degrees today, rain all day. I mean, we had to have at least a couple inches of rain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I noticed the retention pond across the road is, has got a lot of water sitting in it. And yeah, like you say, um, I think in three, four days here, the high is like... 55 degrees or something right water temperature is going to be dropping yeah, fall fishing is going to be taken off it's going it's going to go in and go down there in a hurry and it's they're going to put the feed bags on and they're going to start going so now's the time of year to get out there and do it i know like a lot of the hunting seasons are opening up and there's other things going on but if you want to catch one of your bigger fish of the year maybe a new personal best now's the time to get out there and give it a shot we going to mill this weekend uh, if somebody wants to invite us, we are. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is uh, after this AOI tournament. Uh, oh, I want to go catch it. big brown smallmouth. Huh? I, I think I think I got a free weekend, so maybe we'll give it a <laughs> shot. Uh, no, but yeah, we'll talk about that later in the episode. But uh, first, we've got an interview with uh, Andrew Gullickson, owner of Beaver Tail Bait. And uh, if you're here in Beaver Tail Bait and you're wondering what that is, that's exactly, exactly what it sounds, what it like. sounds it, like. It is Beaver Tail Bait. The, yeah. the meat of the beaver tail, he, he cuts it up and he sells it and they use it for bait as a substitute for waxworms. And I've got to say, I've personally used it. Uh, it's really a pretty cool deal. Yeah, it's going to be fun to hear about every like the process of it and just all about it yeah definitely one of the more unique baits there is out there and yeah i can't wait to hear about it so we're going to get right over to him hey andrew you there man yep i'm here guys how awesome. are you tonight i'm doing pretty good very good so yeah and, andrew you own uh beaver tail baits uh you know tell us you know to tell the listeners uh what beaver tail baits is beaver tail bait uh so we're not that we're not that clever it's it is actually beaver tail um <laughs> yeah it, i actually i tried for a while to come up with with something else and every time i'd refer to it it just came back to beaver tail and uh the, the name has stuck and uh we, we've run with it um but it's a it's a company my dad and i uh, founded oh i think we've been running about three three and a half years now uh really been serious the last few years and um, it's a it's just a bait to to replace wax worms um, and, and kind of similar to the the pork idea that uncle uncle josh used to do with a few few different quirks and kinks to it but uh but yeah that's that's kind of the uh the beginning of it um we actually the idea for it which uh, came about actually in the 80s and i was born in 87 but my my well and it's been used forever. I think trappers have been trying, you know, beaver tail instead of trying to find wax worms in the winter. Um, they've been using it, but, uh, in the eighties, my dad was fishing alongside a, a long line trapper and basically getting his butt kicked and, you know, asked the guy as any good fisherman would, what the heck are you using? And uh, of course he comes back beaver tail, you know, my dad said, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Don't tell me. And, uh, after, you know, they both pulled off the water at the same time and, uh, she's like, okay, really? So what you use? And he showed him it was beaver tail and it is something you can, you can cut up uh, a piece of beaver tail and use it, but it's often tough to find a piece of beaver tail. We found a lot of challenges 
in trying to keep it fresh without uh, doing anything to it. And it, it goes stale really, really quickly. And it is a pain in the butt to cut. So that's where we came in. Um, been working. Uh, we kind of had it just as an idea. It was one of those crazy, crazy ideas my dad had as he invents things all the time. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't think it was cool enough and wasn't sure it would work and let him beat me. You know, beat me fishing with it for about 10 years before I'm like, you know what? This stuff is pretty cool. I think we could, I think this would sell because <laughs> it sure is nice for not having to use wax worms. So it's, it's a pretty tough meat. You know, I, I've used yeah. it and, and, you know, to, to put it on the hook, you know, it, it's definitely not like a wax worm, but yeah, it, it's a strong right. meat. It really stays on there. Yeah. It's, I always say like, if you're a, if you're a dad and you've got kids or, you know, or mom out fishing and you've got kids, it is absolutely a lifesaver because you get it on there and you're using it all day. Um, I know, uh, Darren, Darren Jones, who you guys had on, I think a couple weeks ago, yep. um, Darren, staff stuff for me and i had him do a clicker count and i think he had 55 bluegills on one piece last oh, last wow. fall holy oh wow yeah that, that makes a so huge difference yep that's taking a beating yeah, so that's a tub of wax worms <laughs> yeah, yeah it really is <laughs> yeah um so we've we've uh, had a lot of fun working with it and trying to make new shapes and, and working with it as a as a new company and um trying to find a way to make it quickly and make make shapes that you guys can use is is part of our new struggle i guess as a as a growing business but absolutely it's been a lot of fun now how, how do you source your beavers where do you where do you get your beavers are you guys trappers is there a fur company up there that you guys buy them from that is that, glad you asked that that is one of my my top couple questions i get asked um we get them a little bit of all over. We, my dad does trap. I used to, uh, with, I've got a couple kids now, uh, and a day job. So I just don't get a lot of time, uh, to do it anymore. But my dad traps and my uncle trap, and they're both big in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Trappers Association. And, uh, I've kind of let the word out a little bit and with fur prices the way they are, uh, we're willing to pay you know a buck or two a tail. There's a lot of people that just want to use that tail, and 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 uh, I've been really surprised at how many people are willing you know out there that want to sell them. So that's the main way. Um, we do sometimes buy from from fur uh, fur buyers and stuff that, that they'll buy the beaver in the round, and they'll have the tail and they'll they'll sell them to us. But I really prefer to give the guys you know on the ground give back to them as much as I can. They're the ones doing the work. Right. So. Yeah. So like, uh, tell, kind of tell us about the process of like getting the beaver tails and what do you all do there to create the bait? Well, yeah. So it's, it's, it, it's actually a work in progress where, uh, you got to get the tail. They got to keep them frozen. Um, we're working on a, a way to slice them up and, and punch them and preserve them. And really, kind of the secret, which I'm not gonna. You're not lucky enough to get the whole secret from me, no, but the the secret, <laughs> the secret to the whole process, and what I often will call our secret blend herbs and spices, is our preservative, and getting that 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 piece preserved. Because, like I said, you can you can take a beaver tail and shave a piece off. There was even a YouTuber, um, 
Scott Mackner that did it last year and he, he did it and he did quite well on his video. Um, but what, what I find is that it gets to like a hard yellow rind within a couple hours. I'd cut oh, up a okay. bunch. I'd cut up a bunch in the morning. This is what happened back when I started using it. I cut up a bunch in the morning and I'd go to change it at noon and most of it was garbage. Oh. Um, and if it got real cold or if it got dry, it just, it dries out really fast. And then the oils in there, uh, just don't come out anymore. And it, it, uh, it becomes an issue. So we found, uh, I've got a cousin who's a chemist and he kind of clued us in on some ways to preserve it. And, uh, as long as you stick it back in that liquid in the bag, it, it's oftentimes we fish with one piece for multiple outings. If we, if we, uh, if we want to. So it's kind of like similar to a gulp. As far as that, pro- well, that process of you put it back in, you got to put it back in a bag, otherwise it yeah. will dry out type thing. Not saying it's like, it is gulp, but just. No, no. yeah, it's similar. It's like kind that. of that same thing. If you leave it out, it will, you know, it'll dry up like gulp will. That's a good way to to put it. Um, and it won't, you know, sometimes gulp you can get back with water. Ours ours you can't. But as long as you put it back in the bag, you're, you're good to go for quite a while. Right. So tell us. I usually. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I usually use stuff that's a couple years old that I just can't, you know, I want to make sure I give my, my customers the best stuff. So I use, you know, like two year old beaver tail out of the back of the fri- fridge. So. How, how much meat is actually on a tail? Like, is there a bone in the tail? Like, I, I've never. Yeah. I've, I've never. Uh, I used to do some raccoon trapping, but I've never actually trapped a beaver. So I, you know, I, I think about a beaver tail and I think about, you know, just a big leathery piece. And I imagine there's got to be some meat in there, but is there bones? What is there? Yeah, there's a thick bone. And then there's a lot of this, like surrounding that tail, there's a lot of this like sinewy material um, that I suppose makes their tail so strong and they can, they can use it as rudder and swim, but it's, it's almost too hard to, you can barely cut it with a knife. Um, so that takes up a bunch of the tail and then you've got the leather on the outside. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a good bit of meat on a tail, but there's a lot of work to get to it, to be quite honest. Now, how many little pieces of bait do you get out of a tail? Uh, I'm going to keep it at quite, well, actually I don't even have to do that. It, It really, really varies. Um, it, it all, you know, it kind of depends on the, the size of the tail. Spring beavers, obviously, I don't get that many. Um, sometimes only like 15, 15 uh, well, not 15 pieces, but like 100 pieces or less than 10 bags out of a tail, all the way up to some super giants. I might get 150 bags out of a single tail. Oh, wow. Um, but it, it, it so much depends on how much how much fat that beaver's got and that sort of thing. What's what's like the shelf life on something like the, on your product or as long as you keep it in a liquid it should in the bag sealed it's pretty good last long time. Yeah, that's another big question I get. Uh, it if you keep it in the in the liquid and don't expose it to either really really hot or really really cold for it'll last a couple of years right a lot longer um, than wax worms yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if you if you so like the big thing I, i've had a couple people tell me it was really squishy and it fell off right away now yeah, it's a couple people out of thousands and i think it got like in shipping or something it froze oh all so right. if it freezes hard like i've had it 
a bag sit on the ice all day and I've used it and it's still good and firm. But if you stick it in the freezer or leave it in your truck, <laughs> leave it in your truck at, you know, 15 below for a couple nights, sometimes it's just like a lot of meat. It kind of comes out squishy. Right. It's still a work, but it's not going to be that durability that we, that we preach. And, and, uh, that is a, you know, that is one really big key. Like we've talked about is that it's just, it's super durable and kind of the under the radar thing that, um, unless you've seen us at the shows or I'm trying to highlight more in videos this, this year that doesn't get talked about as much as it's got just amazing action because it's a, it's mostly fat and it's got oil in it. So it's neutrally buoyant. So I usually, I'll have people hold a rod dead still in a fish tank and you can literally see heartbeats in it cause it moves so easily. Wow, uh, it's nice. yeah, it, it's it's really got a special action. So, so how was the product first received when you first decided that you you know were going to start selling beaver tail as bait? Yeah, you know, and and you started telling some people, and you know, maybe up there in Wisconsin, you know, like you said, other people kind of knew about it. But when you show up to your first show or when you, you know, go to your first bait shop and try to sell it to them, you know, did people kind of, you know, give you a blank look or, or you know, how, how was it received? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a product that takes a little bit of explaining because when you just go up to somebody and say, hey, I've got beaver tail bait, they're like, okay, so what, uh, what, it, what is that? And uh, yeah, it, it took a little bit to get in and actually wisconsin it it was kind of a hard area um i had it took me a little bit of time and a few calls to get in to a couple shops around here um the place where i really got my start was actually north dakota really um yeah i kind of kind of started skipped over that part a little bit earlier about so you know my dad figured out what it was and fished with it or well he, he knew about it, but it was until he was on a trip, one of those trips where you, you're just not catching anything. He was in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Uh, it was in the early 90s when it was really slamming out there. And is one of those where you're just willing to throw the tackle box down there and yell, you choose. <laughs> and that's kind of what he did. He had brought a piece of beaver with him, and he shaved off a couple pieces, and they went from from... You know, nobody catching anything to, if you believe my dad's story, the beef, the perch patrol was following them around. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, so out there it, it's got, it, it just has a kind of a special touch because often you're fishing so deep that you need that durability and perch absolutely love it. Um, so that, yeah. So that's kind of where it, it got in pretty easy. I had one guy kind of take a chance on me out there and, and do a decent size order, and it, it's really grown out that way. Um, now, you guys are South Dakota, right? We're right on the border of South Dakota, okay. Iowa, and Minnesota. We're in the far, far northwest corner of Iowa. Okay. Is that more bluegill country out that way? Yeah. yeah. A, lot of, yeah. a lot of our lakes have bluegill in them. Um, Spirit Lake here, there's been a pretty good perch population this year, but they don't really get real big. I mean, you might catch a 12, 13-incher every once in a while, but most of the time they're in that 12, 10 to 12-inch 12 range. We try to do a couple trips up to Lake Ponset every year, and, and yeah, you know, so we do get into okay. South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I always say – so bluegills can be so fussy that it 
you know, it's it's type of thing that uh, can can work well with them sometimes to finish them, but some days they're some days they're off to everything. Some days they, I, I'll admit as the owner, once in a while, some days you got to go to a waxworm. Yep, but, right. Yeah, but sometimes you have to go the other way and go go to a beaver tail, too. Whereas crappies and perch, I've I've just had an overwhelming response with they just prefer it. Um, they prefer beaver tail, I should say. Um, right. Ten out of ten. So, but yeah. Anyways, back to your question. So, yeah, it was it was it took a little while. The first show, I got a lot of people like really giving me some 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 weird looks when i said you know looking at beaver tail bait what the heck is it um and just trying to trying to get get past that show people what it is and and it's i always say it's the type of product takes about 15 seconds to kind of understand and click into even what we're what we're showing you right so now now how many different uh uh uh, products do you have you know you've got some different sizes some different colors yeah uh we've got a pink and a white panfish bite which is uh, about three quarters of an inch by an eighth inch um and then we do have uh our log jammers we call them they're a pike strip um and those if anybody's familiar with us before there's going to be probably a second type of those this year so there'll be the pike strip, which often will even have a little bit of bone in it. It's kind of, we make it more rigid so you can hang it off a tip up. Um, and then uh, our stuff kind of surprisingly took off with the lake trout guys up north. Really? So, and they don't like the bone in there though, because they got to be able to put a hook right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So um, for those guys, I'm going to just kind of make it just a little bit different, but approximately the same size, about five, six inches long inch to three quarters of an inch to inch and a half tall yeah yeah and you know you talked about like catching multiple fish on one mm-hmm. that is huge when you're when you're talking about perch fishing you know yeah. you want to get that bait down there as fast as you can you don't want to be fumbling around and trying to put a bunch put new wax worms or any other bait on there this yep. you can just unhook that fish and get it back down there as fast as you can before that school moves out absolutely yeah, that's that's the key with it. Just fishing, you're fishing more. Right. Um, you know, in those you know the lakes with mud flats, thirty, forty feet deep, you miss a fish with a waxy. You have to reel up instantly to put some, you know, just to check and see if it's on there. Yep. Right. With beaver tail, I don't even look. It's yep. there. You know, you it's either there once in a great while. You know, you can get one to kind of work off, but you know it. it it's way way less than you would have to deal with with a minnow head or which are notoriously bad or a waxworm now what are some of the biggest learning curves that you've had to deal with with uh you know starting a small business in the fishing industry not necessarily just with beaver tail but just starting a small business in the fishing industry um probably some of the big things have just been trying to find ways to packaging actually is probably the biggest surprise now trying to find the right package and and uh and work with the the advertising and logo stuff i thought that would be a little bit easier and and it's it's been a little bit tough um and then one of the one of the surprises actually has been how how 
welcoming the fishing industry is and uh you know i'm sure there, there has been you know maybe one or two bad experiences with with different personalities and, and people within it but most people are really willing to work with you that's been really um that's been like i said surprising you know i think um, i think me and matt can attest for that too you know doing this podcast you know when we first started and and wanted to start doing interviews we have been turned down by a couple people but really i mean overwhelmingly more people have said yeah sure i'll give that a shot yeah. and, and i don't yeah. know you know that that is cool about the fishing community yeah i think uh and uh, i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it or not but i do the I've been doing the fishing careers workshop up in Brainerd. The, the right, linders yeah. put it on. Um, and it, it's, that was just a great opportunity. That's part of how I, I kind of got the, the courage to really get this out there and, and, uh, you know, market it a little bit better was going to that. And, you know, all those guys are, are basically, I think they're doing it for free or for not much. And they're some of the biggest leaders in the industry and they're more than willing to come up to anybody there and, tell them a lot of their secrets and you know how to how to how to make it because everybody wants to do it so it's it's a really tough area to break into especially if you want to try and make it a full-time living yeah for sure now you said you were from uh up in wisconsin uh where are you from in wisconsin i'm originally from chippewa falls yep so which is did you say chip waffles yeah i always joke that's uh it's, if you're not from there you call it chippewa falls and you put a Ewa in there a third syllable and if you're from there it's chippewa chippewa fall chippewa falls or chip waffles <laughs> no home home of the line and kugels brewing company i'm sure all the listeners that uh that uh hear chippewa falls they're like hey i, I know something that, that's from there <laughs> yep now, yep indeed now how did you get started into fishing um you know it's like if you ask you know somebody who's religious you know uh, oftentimes you hear the answer that you know i was kind of born into it it's christianity or whatever and i was kind of in a way born into born into fishing when i was three weeks old i uh got into my dad's musky baits and i still have a hook-shaped scar on my hand from it <laughs> um yeah i just started fishing when i was a couple months old and uh kind of my dad my dad loved to fish um and he gave me the opportunity and let me throw some poles in the water um and you know do all that and have the patience to take me out and then uh fished Fished pretty hard well all the time while I was a kid. Actually, kind of got away from it when I was in high school. You know, friends and and sports took over for a little bit, but then uh, my senior high school kind of went straight back to fishing all the time and haven't looked back. I think everyone kind of goes through that uh, yeah. when you get into high, high school, school and, and girls, yeah. and you get a car and you get busy with stuff and <laughs> yep. yep. But it all yeah. kind of leads back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for a little while, I'm sure it became kind of something I had to do with that, not that I got to, but, right. man, now, as a dad, I cherish every moment I get to get out on the water yeah. <laughs> between the business and, and yeah. work and everything else. So. Now, like, where where are some of your favorite spots to fish and, like, some of your favorite species to target? Um, I am a bluegill guy. Uh, I love them, I, I'm, and I, I love to bass fish, too, open water. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's my 
probably my two favorites, the two that I get to do the most too, uh, especially smallmouth. Um, and then through the ice, I've just got a special place for in my heart for Devil's Lake. I try and get out there at least once a year and get those great big perch. Um, and and the northerns out there are kind of the actually the untold story. There's yeah, they there's phenomenal some big bike ones. fishing. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, just uh, my, my best trip for for six hours straight. We had a flag, an average of every seven minutes, and our average fish was like. 33 inches wow. I just, yeah so it, it can so, be. so you know it's kind of a workout program too i mean you can kind <laughs> of you get your running yeah. into the flags and the heavy lifting with the northerns and yeah yeah it's so yeah that that's one of my favorite places otherwise i i love northwest wisconsin uh the the kind of the blue hills area i guess you'd call it, it, it from big shatak down to chip waffles <laughs> um that area is got a lot of diversity and a ton of lakes that's something i now live in southeast wisconsin that's something i kind of took for granted was just how many lakes i had right in my back door yeah now you're an aquatic an aquatic ecologist correct Yes. Yep. Now, tell us, uh, you know, what that entails, and where'd you go to school for something like that? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, UW Stevens Point um, for a for a fisheries degree. I got my my bachelor's in fisheries management, and uh, so my 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 job now is an aquatic ecologist. Basically, it's kind of private sector DNR work in a way. Um, so I work, you know, I do a lot of the, everything from fisheries management, lake and pond management. I do, you know, we do weed and algae control. Uh, basically, if you have water and, you know, don't have the DNR managing it, you you call us to, to work on it. So I do, it, it's a really, really diverse job. I do everything from aeration maintenance and fish stocking to fish shocking and killing weeds. Uh, or planting, <laughs> depending on the situation. So, um, in, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a neat deal. In a lot of private ponds, then. Yeah, private ponds. Uh, we do we do work on a lot of uh, some public lakes as far as like invasive control um, and surveys for invasive species, but mostly mostly private ponds or up here we have private lakes uh, that we do a lot of that on. Got any wild stories from doing anything like that? Any any crazy uh, fish pulled out or anything like that? Um, nothing, nothing too nuts. But I, it is interesting. Um, up here, at least, people with private ponds kind of tend to think of them as you know a, a fish hunting factory. They don't, they're not super productive like the you know a lot of farm ponds or anything up here. They're more they're they're a little bit um they're thought of as small fish but we've got we've got one customer that feeds his fish really well and just is on a pretty good management program and he's got three-year-old hybrid bluegills that are pushing 11 inches wow oh, wow uh, i've got a picture of uh, four of them that go like 42 inches <laughs> total so so you get to go out there and uh, feed him some beaver tail bait every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping nice. picking some ears yeah. 
Well, uh, before we let you go, if, if we've got any listeners out there that want to buy some of this beaver tail bait and give it a try, where do they find it? Um, so beavertailbait.com uh, is, is always available. Um, and then you can get it on Facebook on our beaver tail bait page. Uh, sometimes the shipping there, just because of the way Facebook works, is a little bit slower. Um, if you are around you guys, by any chance, uh, Spirit Lake, I believe Stan's Bait and Tackle has it. Um, and then I think it's actually uh, the east part of the state, but Hanks in Iowa has it as well. Um, okay. Otherwise, otherwise you can look up vendors on our Facebook page. Um, and you can always just message me right on Facebook uh, through Beaver Tail Bait or Andrew Gullickson. Either way, I'm, it goes right to me. So, Are you going to be at any of the ice shows this coming few months or no plans I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to be at St. Paul um, at the big one. Um, I was, you know, in the future I will probably, I really want to get out to like the the Dakota Angler and, and yep. a couple of those other ones. Uh, we had a little bit of family illness setbacks this year, so we weren't able to get enough produced for those. But um, definitely love meeting everybody at uh, at the St. Paul show. Um, and, and anybody that's out there using it or trying it, I always say I want to see your I want to see your pictures. You tell me you're catching them on there. I, I love, you know, I have to I have to pay for adver for advertising for people to take pictures. I'd much rather have you know real people out there catching them and sending them to me. And that really, as a bait manufacturer, there's nothing that like keeps you cutting bait in the middle of the night, trying to keep up with things like somebody sending in a 15 inch crappie that they caught on beaver tail bait. Yeah. So. Very cool. That's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> you bet. Well, unless you got something else uh, for us, uh, if, if uh, we didn't ask a question about the bait, if you've got uh, anything else that you want to tell the listeners. Um, the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, after a few years of doing this, my the only negative feedback seems to be people that go right from a waxy and they try beaver tail bait and it... it they try and fish it just like a waxy and it is closer to a waxy than a lot of plastic is, but you still generally need to put a little bit more motion into it and maybe trim it down from what's in the package, depending on the situation, play with it a little bit and give it a shot. And I think you'll, I think you'll love it. And I think it'll really save you a lot of, a lot of dead wax worms and keep you fishing longer. Right, right on. on, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot this winter. I, I used it, I think, uh, last year out on Lake Pahoya, uh, jigging for bluegills. That's a little local lake right down by us. And then I okay. think we got into a, a pretty good bass bite, and I, I think we quit doing uh, the pan fishing. But, <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely looking forward to trying to give it a shot on the ice. Awesome. Uh Last thing I'll say is keep an eye out on our Facebook page because I'll be, uh, I am announcing some new colors and styles this year. Um, so that, that'll be coming out as well. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, we really appreciate you swinging in and, uh, chatting with us and, uh, yeah, if you ever make it down to the ice Institute, uh, Dakota Angler ice Institute, hit us up. We, we live pretty close to there and we'd be happy to talk with you maybe we'll see you up at st paul i hope so perfect well thanks a lot man yep, thanks 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 guys see ya
Mr. Andrew Gullickson from Beaver Tail Bait. It's pretty cool hearing that process of how he uh, gets makes the bait. Very cool, very cool. And and it was also cool to get somebody from up in Wisconsin. Yeah, we got the Wisconsinite people in there listening up. We never did ask him if he was a badger guy, though. We didn't. Well, uh-uh. this this isn't the year to be asking somebody no. if they're a badger guy and try to flex that you're an Iowa Hawkeye <laughs> no, guy. No, that <laughs> defense is playing pretty tough. Yeah, so. I, I don't know that they're going to lose gonna go game there. for quite a while. So, Yeah, no, very cool. Yeah, uh, it was nice having him on the show that he was able to get some free time and talk with us about the beaver tail bait. Like you said, yeah, I, I haven't got a chance to use it yet. You had some last year, and you know, Darren Jones, past guest, he's – he uses it quite a bit it seems like he is pretty active with it on social media and got to give it a try this winter yeah you know i mean it's it's obviously going to have the natural meat flavor that that fish are interested in and you know when it's got durability like that and and then he also talked about the action with it being you know pretty buoyant in the water right and you know yeah it I, I would really like to get it out on West Okaboji in that clear water and, and see how it performs against those finicky bluegills. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and like he said, too, I mean, some days they just want different things, and they don't see that a whole lot over there, so it might be something that really triggers them and turns them on. And, right. and the fact that the thing I like about it is you can catch multiple fish on one bait, and we've had it before where you – get a nice wax worm on there it's like oh nice and straight you got it just how you want it you drop it down there and often they just pull it right off there and got to reel back up and put another one on yep you're you're a lot more of a plastics guy and i've been trying to get more into plastics but i'm i'm really always a wax worm guy but uh you know i I think this kind of blends both of them in together It, it, it is live bait you could say because it did come off of a live animal for say but uh you know it it's got the it's got the tough, toughness, probably more tough than plastic, and, and yeah. yeah, just definitely something. Kind uh, of the best of both worlds, really, when really, you think about it. Really, that's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we've got a, you know, you, you get comfortable with, you know, like for me, black check eye jig and, and a waxworm, but, you know, you got to start expanding out of your comfort zones and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't, and, and you know, it makes you a better fisherman, too. Yeah, you got to try different techniques and different baits, that's for sure, because you never know what you're going to stumble upon. And I mean, every year it seems like, no matter if it's open water or ice fishing season, there always seems to be like one jig or one bait or something like that that just seems to outproduce more than others, then you always kind of forget about this other thing that you use too. And all of a sudden you go back and you start thinking about it, it's like, man, that used to be my go-to and I don't use it as much. Well, because you tried something different and it's this started to work maybe i'll produce that other thing but now you can use that other one if you want or you can use this if you want now you've just made yourself more of a versatile fisherman yep thinking about it i would have really liked to have had that them last couple days on late ice when we were out there getting them crappies and whatnot that that would have been an awesome bait for that yeah for sure it it would have i was thinking the same thing when he was talking but yeah anyways from wisconsin over to minnesota our dog, Seth Fighter, with the win in the AOI tournament today. He didn't he, win the Angler of the Year, but the AOI tournament. Yeah, he won the tournament like That's he did a few AOI years ago. Tournaments, yeah. yeah. A few years ago on up on Mille Lacs. Again, another smallmouth fishery. Uh, one of these years, they said it at the weigh-in. Mercer said it. One of these years, they're going to have to do a four-day tournament on one of these bodies of water. So we can get to the century club with small mouse. Oh, he'd have done it. He yeah. would have done it. I mean, he, he had 26 pounds today and he quit an hour early. 
Yeah. He, he said he, he got Corey Johnston over to where he was fishing and Gussie, and he said, all right, dudes, this is yours. I'm heading in early. Yep. He, Gussie was over by him, and then I thought I heard him say on live, like, hey, I think Gussie's going over to get Chris Johnston. Or Corey. Corey Johnson. Oh, it was Corey, yeah, yeah not Corey, Chris, Johnson. Corey Johnson. And I'm like, what? And yeah, sure enough, you see Gussie take off, and pretty soon here comes Johnston back, and yeah. it's like, they're just three buddies out there fishing. Well, and they're all travel partners, so I right, mean. Right, right, all them northerners. And, you know, like, I, I think of, you know, obviously the Midwest, you know, we're the Midwest angler. I don't know, I loop them northern Canada guys so right do I. with us. Especially when you start talking about the bass fishing world, because... Nobody down south thinks that the northern fishermen can catch fish, you know, and it, it's just, it's awesome to see the year that those guys have all had down there, and I mean, even like on the FLW tour, there was a bunch of northern anglers, Austin Felix, Josh Douglas, those guys all performed great, you know, the Opens was Bob, Bob Downey from Minnesota. Bob Downey, yep. He won the Central Open just down in uh, Oklahoma Grand Lake. Yeah, there's, a, couple weeks ago. So, there's I mean, a few of these northerners that are qualified for the Elite Series, so we'll have yeah. to see if they take that invite or what. But. So it's just really cool to see the influx of northern, the northern fishermen doing so well with all that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, we'll leave on this, but I thought the coolest thing when, when they asked Fighter what he was going to do in the offseason, <laughs> he was going to get his wife pregnant and go and shoot some greenhead yeah. mallards. I know that he's a big duck hunter, and he always – I think – he's always posting pictures i think they go out to like montana or wyoming or something out there every year and have a good duck hunt and i think him and josh douglas do a lot of hunting together with hunting with each other in the fall and we should try to get him down here to do some pheasant hunting sometime no doubt that'd be way cool uh with that also with uh, that being the last tournament of the year yeah our midwest angler podcast uh, fantasy fishing league comes to an end and, our, and we've our, got to mention him one time in our, episode. So. Our F-F-A-O-Y, our Fantasy Fishing Angler <laughs> of the Year. Our, our buddy Jeremy K comes in with the lead. Uh, uh, he, he gets the win. Yeah, he edged out Matt by... No, uh, he edged out Eric. Slab Game Rick. It got was Eric. Yep, wow, Slab thought, Game come in there. Had, I swung for the fences I, this I last one. You, everyone had Paul Mueller, who had a great showing, right. besides you, who had Jay Yellison. Yeah, I... I, uh, when, when I looked at your lineup, I thought, yeah, but, um, I, I know Colby Van Beek did have Seth fighter and, yeah. and, uh, um, yeah, no, we thank everybody who, uh, who did take part in that, uh, our buddy Dan T, uh, I two don't weeks know, he, in a row. Yeah, he, he just, just falls off. Yeah. You know, whatever. But <laughs> no, yeah. Jeremy K, Jeremy K uh, with the big W Eric, uh, Matt, me, I came in fourth. You came in third. You you had a pretty commanding lead over me. There was no way I was going to te- uh, catch you. But uh, Cody Nielsen, Colby Van Beek, uh, yeah, we we had, we really did have a great group of guys. And and you know, the last couple of tournaments, Stu the noob, he Stu kinda, the noob. I he, you know, I'm really looking forward yeah. to Stu next year because uh, one thing about Stu, he's a very very intelligent guy, and you know that he's he's going to spend this whole entire off season reading on anglers, and, and <laughs> by next year he's going to know their birthdays. He's him gonna, and Jeremy are going to duke it out. Yeah, that's that's good for Jeremy because I know Jeremy does a lot of research too. That that'll be a lot of fun next year. And and if you're listening to this, I, I'm not kidding you. You it's don't fun, have to. You don't have to be big into bass fishing. Like I mean, you can be a walleye angler. You don't have to watch every single tournament. You go on. 
on there. They they have pundits on there that you can kind of read through, and they kind of tell you who yeah. who they think you know is going to win. And if you want to go right on there, but you know you're you're going to get about two three tournaments in, and you're going to get to know these anglers. They have all got personalities. Like I'm I'm truly depressed today that th- that this is the, the end of the season. I like, know. I mean, I fi- I really truly felt like I was a part of it. Like like the the I'm, bass live. It's just the greatest thing there is. It is. It's and fun. to have it and to have this tournament, this three day tournament on a Sunday, start on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think they would be smart to do more tournaments like that. Or really, or maybe, so? or maybe go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't think a lot of people watch on Sundays. They're they're busy out fishing and hunting themselves. Exactly right. I think yeah, that some, okay. and I think that sometimes it might help with you know when some of these guys get into these tournaments, you're not contending with the local traffic and the local fishermen out there maybe getting into the community holes and you might have less of a problem with it i know the nwt the national walleye tour most of those are on like a thursday friday really most of their tournaments are and i don't know if it's because that issue or or i think sometimes they do that so that if there is like a wind day or a storm day they can go to that sunday or that saturday it might be like a friday saturday what they do but is i I've thought about that in the past. You know, with this Bass Live, most people are watching it at work the way it is. So, I'm just, I'm just saying, across the bass fishing community today, uh, production was not good at work. No, uh-uh. <laughs> production was I, not good. You know, and I always have it playing on my off in, on my computer in my office, and it's always kind of fun to, you know, being a PE teacher. You know, I'm out in the gym, and I tell the kids to go get jerseys on for the game and everything, and. Pretty soon I'll go walk in there and they're all just sitting there just like, whoa, there's fishing on, you know, and they're just all like kind of glued to it, watching it. And they start asking a bunch of questions and it's kind of fun just to see that stuff. Yeah. I'm not quite the worker Jeremy K is, and I don't think that's any secret. So I, I kind of walk over to Jeremy every hour and kind of give him a little bit of an update. And, you know, today when Fighters Bass Live or, or Bass, Bass Track was not updating, I'm like, you know, Matt's texting me saying that, that you know, Fighters fighters throwing back four and a half five pounders yeah. like he's got to have more than than what bass track is showing and then yeah but they said they said that the cameraman is the guy who enters yep. in that bass track fighter was catching them on every cast yeah he didn't have and he time. didn't want to put the camera down to enter it in right so oh my gosh oh crazy and it is it's just fun watching that bass live because just to see what those guys are doing and you know just I mean, I'll probably sleep in tonight. I'll be hearing that drag yeah, <laughs> screaming no from those spinning from that spinning gear. And it was cool just to see them on this tournament catching them on everything. I mean, the crankbait came big into play. I mean, the drop shot, like always on any smallmouth fishery, but just the different baits that they're using on the smallmouth and yep or on the drop shot. So and don't be scared off if you're a walleye angler or a, you not, know whatever. Not even if you're in the fish in the fishing that much. I guarantee if you start doing this you will get into it more than what you realize because right. it is a fun thing. It is. It is. Like I said, the guys have personalities and, and you just kind of, you feel like you know them. It, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's easy. It's easier than any other fantasy sports. I feel, I mean, you don't have like preseason drafts and this is who you're stuck with. You got to trade every tournament. You get to pick five new guys and uh, there's, what is there five different pools yep and yep. so then you just go in there and it, it is all based on how they're doing an angler of the year points and yep yeah it was the angler of the year thing at the end was was you know 
I wonder what would have happened if Canterbury wouldn't have won because Blaylock and Johnston were tied. Right. I wonder if they would have went to, like, who won the most events or who, like, had the highest. I don't know how they would have done that. Yeah, because they originally kicked Stetson off the the stage. They had to run and go find him to get him back up there. And he came up like, well, what the heck's going on? You know, what what the heck? Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him there. But, you know, I I really – you know, and I don't want to spend 25 minutes talking about bass fishing here because I know a lot of our listeners could give two rips less about bass fishing. But uh, one thing about it, you look back, and, and Corey Johnston had that one day with that mishap with right. his boat and uh, lost track of time and didn't get back on time. Had that not happened, he, he would have walked a, away. He would have had a commanding lead on the on they the talk, of the They year. talked to him about that on stage, and he's like, you know, those things happen. I'm not worried about it. What happens, happens. Yeah. Well, northern bassers, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.